and welcome to the Orion Podcast. With Jessa and Laurel. Where we consciously connect you to the knowledge and resources you need to live a more conscious form of capitalism. Yes. Today, we were able to speak with Rob Greenfield, which was a wonderful treat, to put it mildly. He has done so much inspirational work and is like the true embodiment of change being the change you wish to see in the world and walking the walk. Absolutely. What I liked most about this interview was we didn't go into all of the content that he has, because you can go access that. We just had a free flow conversation with Rob Greenfield and it felt good. Yeah, we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Transform business, change the world. That's the Tory Project's mission. If you're concerned about environmental degradation, social injustice, or the shredding of our democracy, check out Tory Project. This exciting new organization teaches entrepreneurs how to build highly profitable businesses that also act as a force for good in the world. Follow Tory Project on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Check out David J. Farron on LinkedIn to watch his videos designed for first-time founders and entrepreneurs. Sign up to join their next bootcamp or volunteer to help out at www.toryproject.org. Hey, Laurel. Hey, Jessa. It's our guest today. We have Rob Greenfield. So excited. Thank you for being here. Yay. Thank you. And Jessa, how did we meet him? Uh, We were actually introduced to Rob through Marina. Uh, We met through the Tory Project. Yes. We talk about Tory Project all the time, and they actually sponsor our podcast now. And Tory Project is a uh, business for good uh, boot camp for startups. And so we met Marina, and I honestly don't even remember how it came up, but Laurel. Yeah. Well, I, I'll be honest, it was me. I was yeah, really excited. Laurel. Rob, I was stoked to meet you. Um, so Marina had mentioned something about Rob Greenfield, and I and I just said to her during our cohort, because we were we were leading one of the sessions, I said, Oh my God, I, I love his work. I'm like so excited to meet him. She goes, Oh, I'll I'll put you in touch. And before I knew it, I was like, This is happening. So um <laughs> the universe willed it. And thank you. Thank you for showing up and showing out. We're really excited to have you. But then it was David Engel who actually put us in touch. Yes, oh. that's Marina's Marina's point of contact. How do you know David? Oh, uh, just a good friend. I just I we met through uh, the plant the 350 San Diego 350.org uh, volunteering yeah. Oh. there. Yeah, that would have been like 5 years ago, I think. Um that I first met Dave. Um, and then I actually lived with him for about a month before I was, before I left San Diego about five years ago. And I think it was like before I auctioned, maybe after I auctioned my tiny house, I lived with him for a month. I know at some point, or maybe it was when I was visiting, I lived with him for a month, but good guy. He's been, he's actually been super supportive of, of, uh, my work and, uh, a good friend. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for mentioning him because I was thinking about that. I'm like, I remember there were like these all these dots, and uh, <laughs> it was very startling. Critical dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so you're a well-established adventurer and activist. So I want to run through some of the fun facts, and maybe after I run through them, you can tell us what your favorite fun fact is about yourself. All right. So um, the quick facts on you. This is one of my faves. You're Earth's messenger on green living. I love that. I like. I envision Mother Nature like communicating through you. Um, and and this is uh, oddly in alignment with my theme for the year. It says Rob's life is an embodiment of Gandhi's philosophy: "Be the change you wish to wish to see in the world." And my theme for 2021 is embodiment. So I was like, I gotta say this. Um, as I mentioned, you're an adventurer and an activist. You're dedicated to sustainability, equality, and justice. And for reference for our listeners, you have 173,000 followers on Insta, uh, 831-ish thousand <laughs> Facebook followers, and there's 303,000 subscribers to your YouTube channel. And I find that YouTube channel to be like an incredible resource or library some of your most popular videos um, are simple and sustainable living in my hundred square foot tiny house. And that's the one that you live in in Florida right now, right? Nope. I, I did live there until a year ago and then I, I gave it away to a little uh, organic 
farming community. And then I've been actually traveling for the last year since then, more or less. I'm back in Florida now. I just got back here a month ago after being gone for 13 months. Okay, that's wow. what it was. And and I watched that video, obviously. I loved it because um, it walks you through your tiny house and every single purposeful component of it. And that video has 2 million views. So you've, you've touched probably 2 million, million people with that information. The next um, most popular video has 1.2 million views and it's, I grew and foraged 100% of my food for an entire year. And it was really painful for me to, <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Because it sounds exhausting. Um, and <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm excited to dig in. Is this like a flash through of your life where it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, these things are all recent enough that I still remember them. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you're the creator of the Food Waste Fiasco, a campaign that strives to end food waste and hunger in the U.S. That's a big deal for Jessa and me. Um, you've dove into more than 2,000 dumpsters across the United States to demonstrate how nearly half of all food in the U.S. is wasted, while 50 million or one in seven Americans are food insecure. Phew. That's it's incredible. And finally, um, you have several books. I think your first one was Dude Making a Difference. Appreciate that one. Mm -hmm. Also, Food Freedom and Zero Waste Kids. And a lot of these adventures have been captured into your six-episode series, Free Ride, on Discovery Channel that has reached worldwide listeners. And I'm, I'm sure this stat needs to be updated based on your latest travels, Rob, but um, there's a note here that your travels have taken you to six continents and 45 countries. So yeah, that's about right. that, what are you most proud of? Uh, it does. I, it, it was pretty painful to listen to all that, to be honest. <laughs> um, I am proud of uh, being a human being who cares and trying really hard to uh, to live out that care. You know, like uh, you know, proud that uh, I, I woke up to the realities of so much of the destruction that exists in this world, and that I decided to do something about it. And as you mentioned, you know, Gandhi's a big inspiration, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I think that's something to be uh, proud of and just sticking to it every day. You got to keep on going. It's a difficult world to uh, tread through with, um, you know, all the, the consumerism that's forced upon us and the, you know, the narratives of things being supposed to be this one way and, so just uh, just trying really hard and sticking to it and um, that other people are inspired um, is what keeps me going, seeing that other people are making positive changes and their lives are better because uh, because of the, the work that I do. And my plan is just to keep doing that as long as I'm around on this earth. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. It's, I'm like, I'm, I'm inspired in like the few minutes just sitting here and with all the work you've done, what are some stories, like, like examples of the inspiration that you've seen that you've inspired change in other people that have stuck with you? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything from like super small things uh, to, you know, someone walking up to me and saying they had a, a paper towel addiction where, you know, they just went through rolls of paper towel a week and then they saw me just talking about how we're chopping down trees just to wipe up our counters and uh, and like then saying, you know, just then I was just, I'm just, I just realized I'm done with paper towels. It doesn't make sense. So little things like that. So I get messages pretty commonly from people that have started to, you know, come across my videos and my writing online uh, or come across me in person and um, that they've just radically transformed my life, their life. They quit their corporate job and they went off and pursued something in service to humanity and to other species. And, um, so yeah, that, wow. little, little things, the big things. Yeah. That's, I love those examples because obviously, like you just said, it's like, you can do make a very small change that has a long-term impact, like something like the paper towels, and I'm that person and I'm just going to pat myself on the back because I've been, thank you, like a year not using paper towels. And I was like, how, how do you live without paper towels? And now that I don't use them, like it's, it's weird to me when people have them in their home. So I'm like, Oh, like 
it, it's just this behavioral change that you just have to have that awareness and then to the big impacts. And so like any of us can make a small change right, right now, this minute. And, you know, if you're more inspired and don't like where you're at or what you're doing, you can make that bigger leap. Um, so that's to feel really good. Yeah. Like when people are like, I completely changed my entire life. Yeah. You've had like a proper impact. But it's me or you? You know, you mentioned like in your, in um, some of your blogs and books that temperance or not drinking alcohol is one of the biggest changes you made in your life. And I'm smiling because when I think of Rob, I think planet. I don't think booze. Mm. Um, and so I'm wondering why alcohol was such a huge component of your transformation and what sport spurred that? Well, um, the thing about alcohol is that it doesn't just affect you in the moment that you drink the alcohol. Uh, alcohol can remain in your system for, you know, days, but also the way that it affects your sleep patterns and the way that it affects your physical and mental capabilities, like getting really drunk can be something that affects you for, for weeks, really. And a lot of people don't notice it, but... I noticed how long it would take me to recover to my, you know, top to my higher like abilities. And um, so it was just one of the biggest things in removing something from my life that was preventing me from being able to achieve what I wanted to achieve and do what I want to do. So, you know, a lot of people look at giving things up and they think about what they're giving up, but they don't think about what they're gaining. So like giving up alcohol it wasn't just about giving up alcohol. It was about making space and it was about utilizing my time for things that were far more important, that were much better usage of the earth's resources and humanity's resources and much better usage of my money. And that allowed me the freedom to pursue the things that I was really deeply passionate about. So it's the big thing is about thinking about things in a more holistic manner. There is, everything is attached to each other. And it can be hard for me to pinpoint, you know, moments where I, because I did one thing, it had this change. Because when I started to wake up, I changed so many different things. And it was all together, the way that I spoke, the way that I uh, related to others, what I ate, uh, the things that I purchased, how I got myself around via bicycle versus cars, um, you know, everything together is what really shifted my life. And, uh, it, you know, I really try to keep things as much as possible in a holistic manner. I mean, holistic is kind of a catch phrase today, but it's a good word. I mean, it, it really means just paying attention to the whole, to everything. And I think that's uh, one of the most important, one of the most important things if you're trying to live a more sustainable and healthy life. Agreed. I, I just, for me, like alcohol is, um, a, is a story about consumerism, especially American consumerism and marketing to us. And so it, it, I find it fascinating, not just from the, the personal performance perspective, but also environmental um, impact is we're just producing and consuming so much of it. Even if even if it's cans that can be recycled, it's not endlessly recycled or reused. And even if it's glass bottles, which can be endlessly recycled, it's still a lot of energy and the manufacturing process and the supply chain, just the footprint of it all um, is global. And um, I really was not aware of how much I was consuming in that way. I was just thinking of overconsumption in the form of food waste or overconsumption in the form of paper towels and, and other things. And it just never dawned on me alcohol. And so mm -hmm. I, I um, it is a key tool, I think, in just decluttering and clearing, as you said, yeah. then you can look at things more well-rounded. So th thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. You know, other parts about it is it's about, you know, just deep respect for the body and alcohol is poison to the body. It's toxic in too large of quantities. And so um, it's about putting things into our body. Like, again, it's about what time energy resources we have. If I'm putting alcohol into my body, then I'm not in that moment putting like really wonderful, nutritious food into my body instead or money. You know, if you're spending you know, a lot of people say they don't have enough money to eat healthy, but they're spending a couple hundred dollars a month on alcohol. And that's what I was doing. And I said the same thing. 
And um, realizing that if I went to the bars and spent $50, that was a week's worth of healthy groceries instead for one night. And, you know, there's also the, you know, looking at if you're talking about Bud and Miller and stuff like that, these are, uh, you know, they're the worst of the worst when it comes to crops that are destructive to our environment and um, they have no advocacy for, you know, anything ethically or, or environmentally responsible. So really I could name so many things um, that were the reasons that I decided to drink less. And, but what's beautiful though, is we can make our own home brews, whether it's like mead from honey from our bees or uh, whether it's beer from grains that we grow or wine from di many different fruits. You can make wine from so many different fruits um, in tropical places. You can grow sugarcane and, and make different drinks um, like chicha, for example. So uh, it's, you know, nothing that I do is about black and white. I'm not anti-alcohol because alcohol, basically humanity might not exist without it. It's been a part of humanity for, you know, I don't know, probably 10,000 years or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just about looking at everything and um, choosing things wisely. I'm, I'm not dogmatic about anything or 100% anything. One thing that I pretty much never will do is I will never throw any food waste into a garbage can. That's something there's no exceptions. Like I'll take that food waste and I will carry it with me to a tree, to the woods, bring it home. That's one thing that I don't make exceptions for. Just cannot rationalize food waste in a garbage can. I can't either. I, okay. I feel like I'm, this is an intervention for me because one, we're recording this January 21st and I celebrated the inauguration yesterday with some, some champers and uh, a little bit of bourbon. And I'm feeling that productivity uh, lack today when we got on with Rob. I'm like, oh, yeah, our, our microphone's not plugged in. Um, <laughs> and then uh, food waste. I'm, I will, I'm, it is a problem for me. Like, I am very aware and I, I buy, my thing is like, I buy too much and I don't know why. And I, well, I'm trying, and this is my psychological issue I've been working on is like, <laughs> why do I keep buying more food when I already have food? And I need this like variety. Well, what if I want this? What if I want that? And so I need to have all the stuff to make these things that I never am going to make. And I, I'm embarrassed, first of all, I will say that, but it is a problem. And I, I just, anyway, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not going to sit here and act like a saint, like, oh, I'm not drinking. No, I don't throw any food away because I, it, I do and I want to be better. Yeah, well, you can always do better. I mean, I, I, I waste food. I just don't throw it in the garbage. Like right. I, 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 it's hard not to waste some food, but it's easy to not throw it in the garbage can and find a place to compost it or easier. Not for everyone, you know, everybody's in their own situations and for some people it's hard, but I've designed my life so that if I need to find, I'll design my life where there's no way I'm throwing food waste into a garbage can. Yeah. I mean, we have dogs, so like dogs will eat it. Okay. <laughs> well, what do you, also I mean, compost. I live in an apartment building and I mean, I like, what you're saying is like, I designed my life. So I have the option to live how I want to live and, um, or what's important to you. And so like, do you have advice for that or recommendations? Like how do I compost? I don't have a yard. Yeah. Like, I don't have access to my own yard. Maybe I should yeah. say. So I'll give like a little bit of a zoom out answer to that question. And then more of a direct answer to that question. The, the zoom out answer to that question is that if somebody really wants to do something, they can take the time to find a way. So if like you really wanted to compost, you would have already looked around and found a place to compost and you would have probably found one because the, there are so many places like just start by simply Googling, where can I find a place to compost in San Diego would take, you know, somewhere or looking for Facebook groups that are about gardening and posting in there and saying, Hey, does anyone know where I can compost? Um, so there's websites, for example, like makesoil.org, which is a place where you can find places where you can bring compost. So, you know, the, the, the sort of zoom out is when people ask that, it's like, try hard, try so hard. So I want to make change and actually making change are two different things. Very different things. <laughs> yeah, there's millions and millions of people who are talking. There's less that are doing. And there's a lot of people that are doing. But I would say, well, 
Okay, so I would say that what's a beautiful thing that we have in the world today is that millions of people are waking up to the reality of our, our 21st century way of life and the destruction, the injustice, the, ine- the inequity that, that, it, that exists through our way of life. Um, and there's just, there's just so many people that, are, that have awoken and are waking up. Now, I think where we're lacking more is then actually acting on that. And there are a lot of people that are acting on it, but not enough. A majority of people, I would say, wake up and they talk about it and then they don't do enough to actually follow through on that. And that's one of the areas that I think we are struggling as a society and as humanity. And I don't put the blame on anyone because it's a really hard life that we live. Like even people who are pretty privileged and have a lot of things, like still life can be pretty traumatic and pretty difficult to tread against, um, you know, corporate agendas and government agendas that really aren't for happiness and health and regenerative living. Um, So, and then, but to answer the question more directly, as someone who's in an apartment building, a good thing to do is join a community garden or you can bring your compost to the community garden and drop it off. You can have a five gallon bucket with a lid. So you just put your compost in there, keep the lid on so there's no smell. Um, If you bring your compost weekly and you have space in your freezer, you can actually freeze your compost so that you have no smell or no rot and then bring it to the compost bin. You can also keep it in the fridge, but a five-gallon bucket does the job if you're bringing it once a week. Um, There's also many compost pickup services. Um, I I don't know if there's any in San Diego. Um, You can find someone who's a friend who has a backyard and ask if you can set up a compost bin in their backyard. You could find a church. Does that mean you have one? Yeah, I, I was just saying that it was on my list for the last year, my husband and me, to get a compost bin, and I just put it off and put it up. And San Diego gives you a voucher, right? So all I had to do was go to Home Depot and get one. Yeah. And uh, we finally did that. My husband is on his way to pick up the compost uh, bin. So, she probably texts him right now and is like, I'm <laughs> talking to Rob Greenfield. Please go get a compost bin. Hurry. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. But again, a really cool website is makesoil.org. And you can go on there and see if there's a compost drop up or drop off or pick up service uh, in your area. Thank you. I'm surprised yeah. at how many people actually want to help when you just say it. Like, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, I live in Ocean Beach, which is pretty eco-minded as it is. And I, I'll just post random stuff on Facebook like, hey, can somebody tell me where there's a chicken that I can get some eggs? And it turns out there's like five homes on my block. You mentioned a word, Rob, that was like, ding, 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 regenerative. Can you please tell us what your definition is of, of, of regenerative? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, sustainability is a big word. And the idea of sustainability is that you can keep doing what you're doing without depleting the resources. So the idea of something sustainable is that you can basically do it sort of forever. I mean, Nothing on earth happens forever. So that's not really the, the truth behind it. But the idea is that it can be sustained. Um, so the amount that you're harvesting from that land, it will keep coming back and it'll keep being there. So your kids and the next kids and the next kids would be able to go harvest those, say, wild onions, for example. Harvesting too much, depleting the resource till it's gone would be not sustainable because then those onions aren't going to be there anymore. So that's what sustainability is. Now, the problem is that today we are not really in a place where sustainability is enough because we don't want to sustain what we're doing right now because what we're doing right now is completely unsustainable. Um, What regenerative means is to regenerate. So if a lizard, uh, you know, there's lizards where if you try to catch them by the tail, their tail falls off. Right now, we've got a lot of tails that have fallen off and we don't, you know, the idea is that you would want those the tail back on the lizard. So what we're trying to do with, you know, what, what regeneration is, it's we've depleted our soils. Our soils are destroyed. We want good soils. Many of our forests have been chopped down. They're gone. We want forests back in those places. Our oceans are polluted. We want those to be clean, free of plastic, free of, uh, you know, toxic runoff, and algae blooms that are created from too much nitrogen in the water. So to regenerate is actually to look at the real problems that we have and do things in a way that bring things back to a state of harmony. 
whether it's our soil, our water, our air, uh, our way of interacting with the world, with other species. So, you know, I still use the word sustainability, but the truth is that it's a bit of a farce to use yeah. that word. And I am shifting more to using the word regenerative. Um, but I also use the word sustainable still quite a bit because people understand it. And so there is language is really important. And so I try to be accurate with my words, but I also have to meet people where they are. And also algorithms, you know, like people search for sustainability. And if I can use the word sustainability, but then I'm talking about regeneration, then that's a way to help shift people. So, uh, yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, you mentioned that you're trying to be impeccable with your word. I'm, I'm hyper-focused on trying to be that way. I come from a very technical background in sustainability, climate planning, renewable energy planning. So like the details are like super important to me. And and Jessa always says, we're going to meet you where you are. We're going to meet you where you are, because that practical language is super important for people to be able to absorb it. And so when we talk about sustainability, we usually think it's, you know, long lasting and resilient to change, or it's the triple bottom line of maximizing value for people, planet and profit, because that was kind of what I was taught in college. And it's, it's simple to understand the three things. And, and we are in the movement for helping business businesses become regenerative and educating people about what regeneration means. And to us, it's it's consistently adding value to everything that you touch and everything that touches you or your stakeholders, creating value for your stakeholders. And the environment is always elevated to the level of a stakeholder in your business. And and that's the way that we've been able to we're, we're getting there and we're evolving. And the more we use it, like you mentioned, algorithms. Like our world it starts to expand of all these uh, thought leaders in the realm of regeneration. I'm so grateful to be connected to. And I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned it. I mean, one of the first times that we heard of regeneration, one of the first times was when we interviewed Darcy of Dr. Bronner's, who is, um, you know, a part of the regenerative organic agriculture certification and rock and everything around that made my heart sing. Mm -hmm. um, and when you mentioned soils, I'm like, I'm, I'm really into that. You, you, you've done a lot of work on how to grow your own food, forage your food for a year. And you know a lot about soils. Are you into the regenerative organic agriculture movement? And if so, what are some of the things that are resonating with you very strongly? Well, I'm definitely into it. I, I don't have experience with growing food on large scales. Like I would never consider myself a farmer remotely, even though people like to throw that word around. But I've grown a fair bit of food and I know how to grow a fair bit of food, but uh, I'm just a gardener. Um, and I don't even necessarily consider myself a gardener. There's a lot of gardeners who are a lot more knowledgeable and experienced than I am. Um, I, you know, to follow up on Dr. Bronner's, they are a truly exceptional company and um, we need a lot more companies like Dr. Bronner's. So, of course, some of the products that Dr. Bronner's has have negative implications via shipping, um, some growing methods, things like that. But they are really putting so much funds into the re regenerative movement, into regenerative agriculture and shifting agriculture. They are a really, really great company. Um, we love them. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we they're a certified B Corp, and and we have submitted our application. There's a just there's a huge backlog, which is a great thing. There's oh. a huge backlog. Companies want to be certified B Corps. So it's gonna, I think it's about six months, but um, we've been pending for a year, and, and we love to vocalize B Corps. Now everybody sees the B with the circle on it, so yeah. we always use Dr. Bronner's as a poster child. Cool. Yeah, B Corps. I think are one of the. There, that's I believe that's one. It's one of the few labels that I really believe in. Um, there's so many labels. I don't believe in, uh, you know, USDA organic. I mean, I, I believe that it is that label, but I don't believe that it's anything that you should be able to look at and feel like, oh yeah, I'm doing something good because most USDA organic is, it's pretty. It's I don't want to say meaningless, but it's not even close to the picture that people imagine on the package. Um, one thing I want to mention is that something that you mentioned before about like making sure that the actions are all sort of regenerative and in that they leave the place better. Um, an interesting thing that I see uh, that I think about a lot is that we have this sort of thing where we, we like to isolate things and we focus on what we want to focus on. So, for example... You know, let's say you have one of these programs where it's like you buy a pair of shoes and then someone else who doesn't have shoes gets a pair of shoes, like Tom's, for example. 
So then you're like, oh man, we've put shoes on like a million people who didn't otherwise have shoes. We've done something great. But who's then you? But what you really have to ask is who's making those shoes, and it, are you decreasing their quality of life in a way that is equal to the increase of quality of life that you've given elsewhere? And a lot of what nonprofits and businesses like to do is they focus on what's visible uh, as their positive impact, but then they kind of like leave all these negative things to the side and avoid talking about those and. The way that I try to design my work is so that I'm not stealing from one area to give to another area. So where are the materials coming from to build the gardens for people? Are they actually coming from people that are working in pretty wretched conditions and I'm contributing to that? Like, for example, buying cinder blocks from Home Depot or Lowe's, which I do sometimes. Um, but, you know, like who's paying for the increase in quality of life? And I think that's one thing that's missing a lot um, and that is like glossed over a lot and is a really important thing to look at if we're talking about real regeneration uh, in, in our work, in our businesses, in our nonprofits, in our lives. I agree. I, I think that uh, stakeholder capitalism or a regenerative economy is one that is not as a zero-sum game where somebody has to lose for another entity to win. I think it's win, 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 win. We talk about this all the time about, about how it's creating wins for every component part of it. Thinking about how the fungi and the bees and the ants have survived for billions, millions of years. And how do they do it? Well, they just create value out of waste and opportunities and nothing, nothing is wasted, including economic waste or a negative externality or a positive externality. It's all neutralized or absorbed within the system itself. And I recently read an article that said the um, the prescription or the medicine for our broken economy isn't uh, more isn't corporate social responsibility or big companies doing um, better for the environment. It's more capitalists that think like we do, like you and like Jessa and me that go, OK, I'm going to start more businesses to solve a problem and create value but from a holistic perspective, not yeah. like I'm creating this one thing and this is, this is what I'm having. So thank you for, for sharing your insight. You, you might not be a regenerative farmer, but you're a regenerative thinker. Thank you for adding value. Yeah. And just to add to that, like then it's about that, that idea is correct if the businesses are actually regenerative, but very few business, businesses, very few initiatives that claim to be regenerative are like they're few and far between. So it's like, there's marketing and then there's what we're really doing. And then there's really understanding what we're doing. And that's a really important thing I, amongst our generation. I see, you know, not everybody, but there's so many people that have a business idea or a community they want to start. And it's always about like creating something grand and often they've never created anything and they don't know that much even about it. Like they come to me and they're like, I want to start a community. What do you know about starting a community? Well, you're asking someone who's never started a community and you're talking about starting a community. There's already a lot that exists that are doing really well that you could join instead. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's something that I encouraged our generation to think about. It's like, we don't have to create some things that are already existing. It's more about collaboration um, at this point, there's so many good things going on that can use our support rather than us having to be the creator of it. Um, and just remembering that things are hard. Like if you want to, like, if you know, people come to me and they're like, I want to, I want to feed a million people. I'm like, well, have you fed anyone yet? And it's usually like, no, I've been spending two years researching it. And I'm like, well, you got to start by, you got to start somewhere. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to grow enough food or rescue enough food to be fit feeding a million people until you've actually fed one person first. Um, and that's something that I really like to share with people is just like, you know, start small and start manageable and grow. Because the other thing is that if you start too big, there's a good chance you're going to fail because you don't really know what you're doing. And all these, you know, all these ideas you had that were great ideas. Well, if you started out with already a hundred people signed up and then you realize that that was not the right way to do it, that's a much bigger deal than if it was one or two people first so you know patience is not necessarily a virtue that we have in our generation and and, and I, I can relate but i would recommend that amongst you know probably a lot of the people that are inspired by your podcast and and want to start something big 
to remember you got to start something big with something small first. Yeah, that's that's such a good reminder. And it reminds me of, um, or point, I should say, and it reminds me of something we talk a lot about is like progress over per- perfection too. Because if like someone has that goal and it's like, you don't need to feed a million people in a day. You feed the one person one day, one day at a time. And you, like you said, you just got to start somewhere. And so much of what you're saying is just really, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, hitting home to a lot of things that have been on my mind lately, which is like the, and you said something that I hadn't really thought about, but it's the idea to create or that feeling where we always need to be creating something, the capitalist society, like just drive, like do something new. It's like, why are you creating something that already exists and why is yours better? And okay, maybe you're improving it. Maybe you're filling a gap in the market and I have a product I'm, I'm bringing. So I'm very, uh, very sensitive and, and uh, focused on this. And and then the other side, the consumerism and the marketing, like you brought up. And so like we live, we're driven by consumerism for sure. And so you have all these businesses who are like, I want to be sustainable. I want to be regenerative. I want to do this. But the same breath, all they're doing is putting more dollars to marketing to get more people to buy their quote, sustainable product that they really don't need. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like, what do we do? And, and everyone's like, oh, business, business, business drives things. But I'm like, at what point? Do we need to just be like, you know, like you said, like, we're good. Like, we have what we need. Like, tone it down. <laughs> and, and, and we're just based on consumption. And even the places that are regenerating and, like, using, like, plastic waste to make new products. Cool. But, like, now here's another thing that I don't really need. But I want to buy it because I feel good because it's made out of plastic. That, yeah. if you, we're <gasps> talking about sustainability and regeneration. It's definitely buying a lot less. Um, now, you know, people do often worry about, like, that again it is like oh i don't want to give things up because i like things and i don't want to do that <laughs> i'm not going to sugarcoat things like the reality is is that we do need to give some things up like we we do need to sacrifice like some people like to say we can have all of the comforts and all of the conveniences and live regenerative sustainable lives that's not true the way that we're living is not something that can be maintained and have justice or equity or, or, or regeneration on this earth. But we can still live comfortable and convenient lives, just not the way that we currently are. And it does require, like the truth is, is that it does require sacrifice and it does require uh, giving things up, some things. But the truth is also that most people who do that are happier and healthier and more you know, find more purpose and passion. So still like in the moment it can be sacrifice, but for most people in my experience, um, that sacrifice pays itself over in so many ways. Like just deeply loving someone doesn't cost anything. And if you can take your mind away from loving your car and loving your house and put your mind into loving the earth and loving, you know, the people around you, that is free. And it's completely sustainable to love people and to spend time with people. If you love playing cards, you can sit on your porch and play cards with your friends all day. And that is totally a sustainable thing to be doing. We can do that. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. It's, it's building infinite wealth from infinite things. Like Dr. Tamsin, Willie Barker says, love is infinite. Love is regenerative. Create more of that. And doing that makes it that. And I find that the idea of more stuff to be a story about COVID. And, yeah. And it was, it, it made us all go home. It made us all go home. I was driving today. Sorry to, to cut you off, but yeah. I have something better. And so <laughs> I was driving today and I just see traffic and I, I dropped my boyfriend off at the airport and I'm looking at the other side of the freeway and it's bumper to bumper. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, thinking I'm like this microscopic virus that we can't see, we don't know anything about is bringing like all of this infrastructure, everything we've worked for, like bringing society like to its knees. And it's just like, I was thinking, I'm like, it just goes to show like we, we went too far. Like we did too much and we took advantage of so many things like at our disposal that by just like natural processes, it's like, no, like what we're going to stop you. And it, it's just, just thinking about that. I, I you know, literally something you can't see, you can't touch, you don't know anything, it's there. Some people are severely impacted to the point of, you know, unfortunately passing away. Other people don't even know they have it. And um, it's like, it stopped everything. But 
it just, I think goes to show that how, how much we've come to depend on so many other things, like, um, outside of like kind of what you're talking about, your lifestyles, like you grow your own food, you like you by design don't need things. And so I guess it's a mental shift in my opinion. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, kind of, as I'm talking out loud about that is how how COVID, um, you can see the wheels turning, um, (laughs) impacted like your day-to-day life. Yeah. Well, um, so in a certain way, COVID stopped a lot of things, but the other thing COVID did is it put a lot more things behind the scenes that we, the, the way we were already doing, like who, who got 30% richer Bezos and Amazon things didn't stop. They just got shipped to us instead. Like, yeah, maybe there's less people at the grocery store, but there's not less groceries being bought. It's just being pumped into this. Like, you know, honestly, if you actually look at what's happened with COVID, we haven't become a more environmentally friendly society. Some people have woken up. A lot of people got bought seeds and, and chickens, but where are those seeds and the chickens now? Like a lot of those seeds are sitting in their, in their, um, in their drawers, not in the gardens um, because it's easy to buy seeds when you're panicked, but uh, it's a lot harder to actually start a garden, especially when the grocery stores open back up a month later. Um, So I'm very, I'm like, that might sound negative. I'm very, um, I'm a, you know, very positive guy actually, but I'm also a very realistic guy. And if you actually look at the situation, I think COVID is driving us into equal or more consumerism for a lot of the, the population. And uh, it's also detaching us, so many of us, more from humans, from uh, from a connection to the earth. Um, you know, more and more stuff is online, more and more stuff is digital, less stuff is grassroots by hand uh, in person. So it is quite a challenging time. For me, it's been challenging. Um, it definitely shifted all of my plans. Of course, I had some very different plans for this year and, but I'm, I, and I I definitely struggled this year to be able to really accomplish a lot. It was not my most productive year, but uh, I've shifted and I'm in a place now where like, as of the last, like I felt very stagnant. um, And, but as of the last, like say month or month and a half, I've, I've gotten, I've been able to adjust things, make things work and be able to really get back to work and having a meaningful uh, difference. What's in store then? What are we, what are we on the edge of our seat? Well, right now uh, I just started this uh, little activist house in St. Petersburg, Florida. There's about eight of us who live together. Um, I started an internship program and uh, we do have volunteer and intern uh, openings. People can apply for it. And basically what we're doing here is we are at the service of the community. We are planting gardens for the people, which are gardens for people that wouldn't otherwise be able to like afford or access having a garden. We're sending out 10,000 free seed packs this year to help people who either can't afford seeds or it's their first time gardening to start growing food at home. Um, We are hopefully going to install a hundred little seed libraries across the country um, to like, organically spread the ability to grow food and then we're starting community compost initiatives so i'm giving grants small grants for people to start their own little community composting initiatives in their uh, neighborhoods Um, so basically we're doing a lot of work here in st pete and then at the same time giving grants and the templates and support for people to start small grassroots initiatives um, where they are in the united states or around the world that's great. That's awesome. Congrats on getting that all going. More yeah. fun facts to report. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been fun to get back in action. Like I said, uh, uh, COVID took me out of action for a while and now we're, we're back and we're planting. We just did a, this morning, I spent the morning volunteering at one of the local community gardens that needed help. We brought a team of six people over there and helped them get a ton done in the garden so that they can grow the food, the fresh food, and distribute it to people in the community. That's wonderful. Good on you. I was going to ask earlier, but we we got sidetracked in great combo. (laughs) Uh, What are some of the inspirational stories about when you were foraging your food for a year and or you were living in your tiny home? 
what were some of the community values that people gave to you? What gifts did you receive from others and stories around that, that, that carry on with you that you live with? Yeah. Well, so yeah, I did this project for people that don't know about it, where for one year I grew and foraged all of my food. So no grocery stores, no restaurants, no gifts of others of food. I literally had to either grow it in my garden or forage it from nature. And um, so some people see that as an individualistic thing because it was just me. But the truth is, is that it was a very much a community initiative and I couldn't have done it without the community. All of my gardens were, other, were in other people's front yards. Now, it wasn't altruistic on their end because they were getting a garden out of the deal. I built a garden and after I left, it was theirs. I had volunteers who came out, you know, probably hundreds of volunteers that helped with my programs throughout those two years. But again, not altruistic. They wanted to learn how to garden. They wanted to be surrounded by people um, and uh, surrounded by like-minded people and to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, and, you know, so, you know, for me, real community is, it's about, it's about the fact that, not that people aren't looking for something, not that people don't want their own meaningful lives. It's not about, um, like being altruistic and like, you know, living this life where you're like just doing things for other people. For me, community is about the fact that we can help make each other's lives better. We can help meet each other's needs by helping them meet our needs and making this cycle. And it's not about, I give you this. So you give me that. It could be, I give you this, you gave this to somebody else. You gave this to somebody else. And like together with that mindset, we can make sure that we all have our, needs need uh, our needs met so the number of you know just wonderful things people did uh you know there's so much meaning if someone just if someone just brings me something like a tool that i needed or when i'm not doing that project like a nice snack like it just shows that you care so much and it builds so much community by doing those sorts of things especially when you made it yourself um you know, sewing someone a, a hat or growing some food for them or making them a kombucha or a mead. Um, so, yeah, I definitely love uh, doing things with, with the community. And aside from the community and learning about foraging your food, being a gardener and honing all those skills to live to live the life you want, how else do you take care of yourself? What are some other things that you do for Rob? Uh, try to get enough sleep, you know, eight, nine hours a night, um, turn off the computer a couple hours before bed and not turn on the computer ideally till a couple hours after waking up. So I have in an ideal world, you know, at least 14 hours a day. Um, well, maximum 14 hours a day where I'm looking, where I'm looking at a screen at all. So at least 10 hours every day where I have all screens off, but ideally more like at least, uh, for only 10 hours a day where I'm looking at any screens. That is a huge one. Eating healthy food, you know, taking the time to cook my meals, taking the time to then eat them and pay attention to it when I am eating it. I really like to uh, do a practice where I chew each bite 30 times. Like it helps with digestion. It helps with mindfulness. Um, taking breaks throughout the day just to breathe and stretch. I'm stretching right now as we're, uh, as we're talking. <laughs> I do a lot of stretching, um, being with loved, loved ones, like feeling loved and giving love, um, being outside, swimming as much as uh, trying to swim every day wherever I am, um, sunshine, fresh air, uh, having purpose, you know, like helps so much. I could do all those things, but if I have no purpose, then it doesn't really add up to being fulfilled. So having a purpose like helps so much with my mental and physical health. Um, so, th you know, there's other things as well, but those would be all like my day-to-day -day holistic form of, of, of health care, mental and physical health care. Thank you. I mean, go. Yeah, no. yeah, no, I just going to ask, you know, with all the food, like what's your um, favorite like meal? What's your favorite thing to make? Um, well, right now we've got this team of people uh, and we take turns cooking. So my favorite thing is whatever's put down in front of me. Um, it's been so nice to have a community where we share, where we share responsibilities. Um, and to be honest, I don't really have a favorite. I love anything that is healthy and abundant and like, you know, generally good for the earth. I, I love, um, 
My so we have just a few minutes, and also my computer's at seven percent. So we. I was gonna say thank you for investing your screen time yeah. in us. Yeah, <laughs> and we can wrap up. Yeah, my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. Good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, and um, yeah, take it away with your three point landing. Three key takeaways for our listeners. Okay, three key takeaways would be um, start where you are. You can't be anyone else. You can't be in another place at this moment, and you can't be in another time at this moment. So embrace where you are, start where you are uh, in order to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And that may just mean be that you're trying to accomplish living a a regenerative, healthy lifestyle. Another would be, you know, think small and big, like definitely keep thinking big, but you also have to think small and make achievable goals. If you want to, you know, have a really big impact on the world, you have to start with a small impact. Um, And along those lines, it's, you know, maybe the last one is that, you know, a lot of people, they want to change the whole world with their projects, with their companies, with their initiatives. And I would say give up on that idea. Like you're not going to change the whole world. Gandhi didn't even change the whole world. Martin Luther didn't change. King didn't change the whole world. I mean, honestly, you're probably not going to change the whole world if they couldn't either. But just because you can't can't change the whole world doesn't mean that you can't change the world of somebody in your community. Um, You know, you might not even know the impact that you've had on people if you live a life of service. And a lot of times you really won't know a lot of the most beautiful things that, that you've done. Um, so focus on doing what you can. Don't be overwhelmed with the, all of the problems in the world. None of us were born with the burden of the earth on our shoulders. Like our generation can, I think, let go of the idea that you are responsible for every bad thing that's happening around you and instead just take responsibility for what you can do to live a dignified Um, life that is beneficial to the world around you. And that's how you be the change. Thank you, Rob. We appreciate you. Thank you, Jessa and Laurel. I really enjoyed uh, spending time with you and hope to meet you in person and share a hug one of these days. Yay! Love it. (laughs) All right, back to work for me. Yeah, send it, Jessa. (laughs) 